Hello, Federico. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time today. Oh, my pleasure. I, I know you're running Lumi Dining and Lumi Bar, but mm -hmm. can I just ask you maybe a little bit about you? Yeah. Look, I'm close to 40 years old now. Yes. Uh, just turned 39 uh, last week. Wow. Uh, what, day, what day last week? Saturday the 16th of November. Oh, okay. Uh, so we've, been, uh, we've moved here in Australia uh, 10 years ago together with uh, my wife. Yes. And uh, we had uh, uh, Lumi for five years now. Yes, 2014. 2014. Started, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. It's been just over five years. Yes. Um, it wasn't easy. Yes. It was a, a hell of a ride, uh, yeah. but I, I loved every minute. So what, what did you do when you first arrived here? When I first arrived, I, I spent uh, four years with Alessandro at Dormeggio, at the Spit. Oh, I see, uh, yes. Very successful restaurateur and a very good friend of mine. Yes. Uh, he owns a few restaurants up in the North Shore. And uh, I was the head chef at Dormeggio for four years. And, um, yeah, he owns the other one around Northbridge as well. I've, correct. I've he, had, uh, he, he just sold the Alta and Soto Sopra now. Oh, I see. But he still owns uh, Ormeggio and the Kiosco. Okay. And he's uh, into another big project <laughs> next year. <laughs> but I'm not allowed to say anything. <laughs> well, that's I, good. I better keep my mouth so, shut. So you were chef there for yeah, five? Yeah, I was the head chef, yeah. For, for five years? For four and a half, yeah. And then... Yeah, and yeah. then uh, I've met his uh, business partner yes and he he offered me um, a huge opportunity back then uh, we came to see this side over here at Lumi, yes. and there was basically nothing you could you could walk through the restaurant there was nothing here wow nothing no kitchen no anything no nah, nah, there was that a tiny kitchen because okay. there was it used to be a small cafe in yes. here where they used to do fish and chips burgers and very very simple no. uh, meal and uh, when I first saw it, I said, what? Uh, this is never going to work. On the wharf, there's no food traffic. Uh, it's a very, very tricky location. There's no parking. It's going to be a nightmare to open a restaurant here. Say, but, but at the same time, I was fascinated about the location because yep. it was so calm, so quiet. Uh, and, and at the same time, five minutes away from the city, it yes. felt like a oasis. And I said, look, if I want to do my own thing, I have to start somewhere. There's no, there's no way where you can open a business and be sure 100% that it's going to work. No. I don't think in any business. No. You have to risk. There's always a risk. Otherwise, you'd even make it bigger, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, no. um, but you're going too fast for me. You're going too fast for me. <laughs> let, let, let's start, because I know that you started overseas in London and Correct. in Roma. Correct. Yes? Okay, so, so you want to start I there? School, when yes. I finished school, I decided to move to London. Yep. And, um, and to learn, uh, I was very fascinated about French classic. And I went to work at the Ritz. In, yep. uh, in London, Green Park, which was a, a very old-school kitchen, but it was very important for my, for my career because it, it basically gave me the, the basics. Yep. And it was, uh, it was tough. It was a lot of... So, so you knew before you left school you wanted your own restaurant or you wanted no. to be a chef? Okay, no. you didn't know that. No. All right. I basically choose to be honest. I choose to go into hospitality and catering school because they were... There was not much to study. It was, uh, it was <laughs> supposed to be an easy school. Um, I wasn't into studying, so I say, oh, even, even my previous teacher, they said, oh, you should do hospitality because, you know, the school is quite easy for you. And, and I said, okay. I had no passion whatsoever in uh, cooking, in hospitality. Yep. My whole family, grandfather, grandmother, uncle, everyone were all in the uh, fashion industry. They right. were making clothes. In Rome? 
uh, in Venice, near Venice. Okay, Venice. Like yeah. Padova. Which is underwater right now, you know that. <laughs> disaster. Uh, disaster. Yeah. I'm from Padova, which is like uh, um, half an hour drive from Venice. Yeah. So inland, in, in, in inland, right, inland. Right, right between Venice and Verona, Romeo so and Juliet City. I'm right in the middle. Mm. So my whole family, everyone was into clothing yes. industry. And, and I was basically the first one to say, okay, I don't want to do this. I'm going to stop and do something else. Wow. They probably, they forced me to do it when I was a kid, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old, you know, they always used to yep. take me down to the, to the factory and yep. say, oh, this is what we do. You should look after this. And I hated it. I didn't like it. And um, I decided to enroll at Catherine School mainly because it was easy, not because I wanted to become a chef. Mm-hmm. That passion, I think, came later in the years when I started working with people that were very passionate about food and about uh, the hospitality industry. I slowly, slowly started to appreciate, you know, what food can, uh, can do to people, how uh, running a restaurant, how... Working in a kitchen could be a bit more than just chopping, chopping and cooking, but it's, it's a lot more than that. Yeah, because uh, it's, I always look, some people, they're so passionate because it's in their blood. I think you're very honest to say you wanted to go for something that is lazy, but I still believe, I've been here, eat your, mm-hmm. I've eaten your food, so I know there's passion in it. Yeah. So, so somewhere it has but started. Look, I think that passion grew in the years, you know, yep. throughout my career, it took me a while to, to realize that this is uh, what I really wanted to do. Right. This was my passion. And now, you know, I, I, I breathe, I leave restaurants, food. On my day off, I yep. spend time, unfortunately, reading only cooking books. Yes. I know I should read something else. I don't else, think it's unfortunate. I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but and, and I, I just love it. But let's I, go through that mm. process again, if I may ask you. So what mm. is it that made you... Find that passion. The, the people you work with or the food you were working? I think it was the people, 100%. Okay. okay. He, probably the produce helped. Yes. But it was, uh, it was the right people. It was the, 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 the people that, that uh, transferred that, that, yes. that passion to me. Okay. But uh, why London? Why didn't you do something in Italy? Because uh, I grew up in a small village, uh, okay. and I just wanted to go as far as possible wow. and and and, uh, and see what it was like living in a in a big city. Yes, and and prove myself that I could uh, make it in a big city rather than having everything ready in my village where I knew everything, where everything was easy. Yep, you know. So I wanted to prove to myself and to my parents and to everyone else that I could. Uh, do it on my own, yep. far away from home. So you left at 18? 18, Went correct. to London by yourself? That's With a cra- friend of mine, yeah. That's crazy, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy stuff. We slept in a hostel yeah. for the, probably the first couple of months. Yeah. Uh, we worked really, really hard. I couldn't speak a word of English. Wow. And uh, it, it was tough. The, 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 the first uh, few months were really hard. Right. And so you stayed there for how many years? Four years. Four years and say four in, years. In, in that same hotel? No, no, no. I, went, uh, I worked at the Ritz for a year. Then I went to work at the Hacking Hotel, where there was an uh, Italian Michelin star. Right. There was only two back then, Giorgio Locatelli and Cavallini, the only two, yeah. the only two Italian restaurants with one Michelin star. Yeah. Uh, and then I went to another restaurant, uh, Italian restaurant, very good chef, uh, and, but we didn't manage to achieve the mission start, unfortunately. Okay. But it was a very good cuisine. In 2012, after four years, 
uh, I decided to leave the city because I had enough. And uh, with a friend of mine, we started traveling all around uh, Southeast Asia. We did uh, Thailand, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia for a few months. And then we came over here in 2012. Right. And uh, back then, uh, I think Sydney was still in a process of uh, growing. It was a growing industry, uh, the fine dining. Yep. And I wasn't, I wasn't very sure if I wanted to spend uh, an, a lot of time here and move here and, and, and embrace my career in Sydney. So I only spent a couple of years here. Uh, and that's where I've met Alessandro from major that he was working at the Park Hyatt back then. So um, I spent some time with him. But I still wasn't sure that uh, this was the right place for my career. So I decided to move back to Italy. And that was in? 2014. 14, you, you opened uh, Sorry, 2004. 2004. 2004 sorry, yes. what am I saying? So in 2002, 2002 you came here. here. Yes, yes, yes. 2000, 2004, I moved you back to back. Italy. I see. And uh, that's where I met single. my wife. Oh, no, just so you I were still single wife. when you went home. Okay. I met my wife <laughs> and uh, together we decided, okay, I want to work in, I want to work in a three mission star restaurant. I want to work with the best. And uh, that's where I decided to work with Heinz Beck. Yes, who's a big mentor of yours, right? <laughs> yes, mm. I spent uh, three years uh, with Heinz Beck. He's the only three mission star in Rome and one of the six mission star in Italy. And that was an uh, eye opener. Right. Uh, I had that kind of uh, uh, that kind of training in London uh, at the Ritz, which was very strict. It was very uh, discipline. Uh, very, you know, uh, it was like an army. Yeah. But a three mission star is something different, you know. And um, it was an eye opener. I've met a lot of very professional chefs in the kitchen. A kitchen with a very strong structure it was like a military camp yes very still very old school you know very tough long hours but i loved it okay it gave me the uh, the backbone you know it, it really made me uh, a strong chef right in, for, in 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 all different aspects right for a guy like me who uh, who hasn't got a clue so how what would you say to me to look at to see a dif the difference between a good restaurant and a three-star Michelin? What, what are two or three things that someone sees I straight think away? The difference is in the details. The details, right. The details. Uh, in every single details, from uh, the food preparation to the presentation to the service, uh, the front of house team, uh, the location, uh, the catering, the crockeries, the uh, selection of uh, raw materials, uh, uh, of the produce. Uh, it's, it's in every single details. You didn't have that in the, those first two restaurants in London? Yes, because yeah. uh, uh, those restaurants, they were amazing. The Ritz is one yeah. of the leaders in, in luxury hotels, but this was uh, something else. Right. It was uh, it was another level. Okay. It was uh, incredible. And so what? Why didn't you want them to stay and go, I want my own three Michelin? <laughs> eh? Look, the situation in Italy um, after the GFC. Yes, 2008. 2008. Uh, and uh, as you probably know, we had uh, a prime minister back then that I wasn't very happy with. Uh, the whole system, it's not, it wasn't only the prime minister, but it was the whole system politically, economically, that I wasn't very happy with. Right. And I'd say, I don't want to 
open and run my business and have a family, have my kids to, to grow up in a system like this. Okay. I, 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 I don't want it. Uh, there was a, a lot of corruption and there still is, unfortunately, a lot of corruption. Uh, the bureaucracy is very complicated. It's very, there's a lot of different layers which I, I don't like. Okay. So together with my wife, we decided, look, we had, back then we had two options. A very good friend of mine moved to France and she was in charge of uh, l'atelier à Jouero Bouchon. And I had Alessandro, my very good friend of mine, that was opening Ormejo back then. So I just came back of Japan. I had an experience in Japan and I, was, I just came back and, and, and I had these two opportunities. And I said to my wife, look, we can either move to France, but we'll still be in Europe, or we can either go very far away and move to Sydney and open the restaurant with Alessandro. And we thought about it, we've been, we, we were thinking a lot about it, and we, we decided to move here. Because it was, it was far away from Europe. Yeah. I already had another experience here in Australia, and I, and, I, and I loved it, I loved the lifestyle, and I knew that the restaurant scene was changing, was growing, was getting a very good standards. Right. So we decided to move here. Okay. You said a bit earlier, mm. you had an experience in Japan. Yes. What, what was that? Mm. What, what is it? It's something that you do every year? You go so to some... No, no, no. no. Okay. So after, uh, after I left uh, La Pergola, uh, um, there was a guy, one of the sous chefs, that went to work in Japan and had a, an experience in Japan. And he told me, look, after I left uh, the uh, La Pergola restaurant, I really wanted to do um, a, an experience in Spain because back then Spain, you know, with Mugaritz, uh, El Bulli, it was, uh, it was probably the mecca of, of restaurants, of all the chefs. Everyone wanted to go to Spain. What, what uh, is it that uh, the molecular... Molecular gastronomy. Yes, gastronomy he was yes. doing, right? Before, before, you know, René and Noma and all the Scandinavia yep. uh, started, you know, it was there was all the focus on on restaurant was basically on uh, Ferran Adrian, Mugaritz, uh, yep. Basque country. It was uh, it was incredible. Mm. But this guy, you know, he told me, you know what? If you want to see something completely different and it's gonna be an eye opener for you, you should go to Japan and work uh, with this guy because it's 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 uh, it's. Something completely different, something that you've never seen in your life is completely different techniques, different skills, different produce, different way of running a, a kitchen, completely different discipline in the kitchen, different culture. You should go, you should go and spend some time in Japan. Where? And I say, okay, just organize everything for me, please. Okay. I want to go. <laughs> so, and he basically organized everything. And I went to work uh, at Ryugin. Ryugin back then was one of the leaders in Kaiseki cuisine. It was number 20 on the top 50 San Pellegrino. It had three Michelin star and uh, it was incredible. I, I went there and this was... For how long? For how long? I was spent six months okay. in total. Six okay. months. Yep. Um, so your wife went with you? No. She had a full-time job back oh in Rome. God. She's a, a microbiologist. Right. Uh, so she had her uh, full-time job and I left and I said, look, I, I really want to do it. She understood. Yes. She understood and she said, okay, go for it and I will come and visit in the meantime. And it was uh, like uh, my friend told me it was a completely 
eye-opener. It was an incredible experience seeing the produce, the skills of the, the chef. The respect for the produce the too. The respect of the produce, the quality of the produce, yes. the skills the chefs applies in the produce. It was uh, completely different to what, I, to what I'd experienced before. You know, the knives, the knife skill, the way they manage the produce. Uh, uh, Did you learn the, to kill a fish? Properly well, then? I wasn't allowed to touch yeah. any no? fish. So <laughs> what I asked them, I say, please, I buy my own one, you know, and after service, after we clean the whole kitchen, the guy will go through and show me how to break down a fish and kill it. Yes. Because basically, there's a very strict hierarchy in the kitchen in Japan. It takes years and years mm. and years before you get to touch very expensive protein like uh, wagyu or uh, seafood wow. and stuff. So tuna, yeah. there's a very uh, strict process. So you start in Japan in a very uh, fine dining cuisine. You start washing dishes because the chefs wash all the uh, crockery. Crockery that we used to get at Ryugin were very expensive. They were coming from 14th century back in China, they were incredible. So we had to wash everything by hand. Then you might move to the simple section of the kitchen, which is peeling vegetable, cleaning vegetable. Then you might move to a soup section. Then you do, you might do tempura. Then if you're good enough, you switch to uh, hibachi, so the grill. So you start grill, grilling uh, eel, protein like duck, uh, A5. And then eventually you will move. You will move to the sashimi section, where you take care of the seafood. So the seafood come in. You check for quality. You break it down, clean it, put it away, and look after the whole uh, seafood section. But it takes years and years and years How to master those techniques. How many years? Give me well, an example. It, it, it depends. It depends on the restaurant. It depends on the. It depends on the chefs. The chefs in charge of uh, the seafood section at Ryugin spend 11 years with uh, Seiji Yamamoto-san before they get to break down fishes, you know? Right. So it's very interesting because Japanese are very loyal. They just don't move around. They don't move around every couple of years. They're very loyal to their, to their uh, employee and they stay for years and they try to master those techniques for as long as possible. In fact, if you have a look at restaurants in Japan, apart from Kaiseki, where you master all different sorts of techniques, chefs in Japan masters one technique only. So a soba master is a chef that embraces soba and he makes soba for all his life. Tempura master, look, you know, he, he, he masters on frying fish, meat, vegetable. Uh, sushi, sashimi restaurant, uh, the, the, the chef only focus on, on sashimi. A teppanyaki restaurant is the same. Uh, he only focus on that thing. A ramen, a ramen chef will only focus on ramen. So the Japanese, they master one technique and follow that for all their life and try to make it better and better and better and better forever. Yes. So, so what happened? You in six months and what did you do? Did you pay for them just to hang around and, and no, see? No, I worked for free. I you basically worked for, worked free, for yes. free. Which which allowed you to go a little bit everywhere. I, 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 you know, I managed to spend you know, yes. a few days here and there, a few days here and there, you know, and I, oh, I moved wow. around. I wasn't really allowed you know, to cook 
and unfortunately break down fishes. But at, you know, at the end of the at the end of every single service, I would spend time with the chefs and say, okay, teach me to do this, teach me to do that, teach me to break down a fish, teach me to yeah. to to do a ham or teach me to do a soup, teach yeah. me to do a dashi, which is all the basic technique of of, of uh, Japanese cooking, you know. Yeah. And then at the end of uh, at the end of the night, the chef was uh, in love with Italian cuisine, and I had to cook for the chef after service, which is good. Which is uh, uh, you know, it was challenging. Then it becomes an exchange. It was challenges because you had to make sure that the food tastes amazing. Yes. So a, is that why Lumi has got a little bit of that now Japanese touch? Absolutely, right? absolutely. Because when uh, I hear you talk about this, yeah. there's passion now. Now, I'm yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that experience stick to me forever mm. uh, it was incredible it wasn't only the experience in the kitchen but it was all the philosophy around food in Japan that, that really blew me away because uh, it's, it's just incredible you, need, you, you have to go and travel around Japan to experience that yeah. Yeah. because it's, it's, it's the, the passion that they have for food and the, the culture of, of food in Japan is just incredible. And, and the incredible. patience of the people, like, you know, I, I, I read and, see and watch so many children even of restaurateurs who work alongside their father for 30 years Absolutely. and still cannot be called a chef. Absolutely, that's crazy. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that's, you know, that's a bit too extreme, but I... I, I I totally understand, you know, so it's part of their culture. Okay, so has it affected a little bit your psyche? I mean, here you, you are a bit of entrepreneur. I'm going to London, I'm go I don't know English, I'm going to do my things <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to go here. <laughs> and, I, and once I've learned it, I go there. And then suddenly you go for six months in a place where, no, 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 be here for 11 years, then we'll, we'll show you another trick. I mean, does it change something in you? Abs I, absolutely. Look, to be honest, uh, uh, um, I would have spent a lot more time in Japan, but I, I just couldn't. No. For visa uh, things and and, and uh, another project that I had in my life, and I probably being uh, a white person, I would have never, I would have never get to the position, you know, to run or or to be a senior position in a restaurant like that one because it takes forever, and you need to learn the language, you need to learn the culture and everything, right. and it would have taken me forever to yeah. get to that position <laughs> forever. Yeah. So it takes Japanese years and years and years. Yeah, no. It would have taken me double the time to get to that position. Uh, no, if you showed a very good pasta, you probably <laughs> would have cut a few things. Short, maybe, you know? maybe. <laughs> so you went back after six months. Did you then decide to come here? No, I went back to Italy. Yes. And together we, we planned our next move. So our next move was uh, two options. As I mentioned before, it was either going and move to Paris yeah. and work for uh, Robuchon or come here in Sydney and, and open a restaurant with Alessandro and help him to open a restaurant. And we opt for the second one. I mean, Robuchon is like very, very well reputed. So you went for, what is it, the adventure, the unknown, and, and giving away the... Look, we, we, we went mainly uh, to change our lifestyle, okay. mainly, and to take a senior position and to help Alessandro in running a restaurant, Yes, which for me was very challenging because I never had the, that opportunity before. I thought I, thought I was uh, quite ready for it, but you're probably never ready. You, know, you, you just have to start somewhere. So 
I, I faced a lot of challenges when I came over here and, yep. and, and uh, you know, I still had to run a restaurant with six, seven chefs and, and I was quite new with the produce, even though I spent a couple of years here. But for me, everything was new here. And Alessandro, he, he put a lot of trust on me. And uh, when I got here, Alessandro had an heart attack, unfortunately. So it wasn't very fit and healthy to stay in the kitchen and run the kitchen. So I basically find myself <laughs> alone. I say, okay, now, you know, I don't have the support of Alessandro in saying, you gotta do this, you gotta call a supplier, you gotta make sure that the staff is happy, you gotta make sure that you're ready for service. And it was very full on, it was uh, challenging. And he put a lot of pressure in it and, and, and I grew a lot. I grew a lot because I say, okay, I gotta, do, I gotta do this on my own. Yep. I know that Alessandro will be back. This is Alessandro restaurant, but at the moment he's not here because he's got a lot of uh, health problem and, and, and I, I gotta take full responsibility of everything that I do. And I, and I, and I, and I it was challenging, yes. but it made me, you know, it made me, grow up as a as a as a person and as a chef what an adventure yeah right so so you're there for four and a half years and then you open this right you said earlier there were a lot of challenges yes. would you like to share with me some of those challenges look uh i think in opening a restaurant uh it's, it's not easy no uh it's not easy it's it's um, a very tough business because there's many, many aspects, you know, I was, uh, I opened a restaurant and, and I was just a chef, okay, and, and, and I didn't, uh, um, how can I explain, being a chef, you can't just open a restaurant just being a chef, you gotta make sure that you look after front of house. You gotta, you gotta make sure that the restaurant uh, is in a good location. You gotta make sure that you provide a good service, uh, that you choose the right uh, crockery, that you choose the right front of our staff, that you choose your right uh, people in the kitchen, uh, the whole fit out, the ambience, uh, um, the playlist, the music. You become that you a businessman on top of that. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of things mm. that you have to consider that I, you know, when I open it, I didn't thought about it, you know, I say, okay, <laughs> let's open uh, and make sure that the food that I serve is good, but that's, it's not enough anymore. You gotta make sure that everything works together. Yep. So when I opened, I couldn't call myself a restaurateur, you know, cause uh, I was very naive. I was very green, you know, in, uh, I knew what I wanted to do in the kitchen, but all the rest, you know, I had to uh, experience yep myself and I say, okay, so how do I market uh, my restaurant? How do I market myself? How do I uh, push my name? How, uh, yeah. What am I doing for people to come here and eat my food? Uh, how do I bring people through the door? You know, uh, all those things, you know, that you have to consider when you, when you open a business. It's not about cooking. It's not about cooking only. No. You know, I think cooking is probably a big part of it, but you have to consider all the other aspects when you open a restaurant. But did uh, you have a business partner you said you I opened had with? A, I had a business partner, which were not involved in, oh, in, in, uh, in the operation. Correct. So right. they gave me uh, basically carte blanche. They say, okay, you do whatever you want. We mm, uh, support your uh, concept. We support your uh, idea and everything. Uh, you run it however you want it. 
we step in the moment that you need us or we step away if you don't want us involved. They were, good. We have a very good relationship That's with very them, very good. good. And I believed, you know, in my, in my concept, uh, but it was hard to, to spread it and to make people know what we were doing. So, and was your concept what it is today or was uh, it? it it's, uh, it, it, yes. Right. The, 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 of course, the, the, so the, you the cuisine. Straight, you started straight away Italian with a bit of uh, Japanese flair. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I wanted to, you know, cook Italian in a different way that has been done here in, in Australia before. And, and I wanted to bring a bit of my experience that I had in the past. I wanted to showcase what I've, what I, what, what it, myself, basically, what I've been doing in all those years uh, uh, in my career. And that's what a chef, as a wants, chef uh, Exactly. Identity. And I wanted to bring a bit of, uh, a bit of that in, into my food. I always say that Alumi now, we, we cook with uh, an Italian heart and a Japanese mind. <laughs> okay. So we bring a bit of both, I like that, you know, yeah. in the food. Um, but I've always been, you know, a big fan and, and I've always been in love with uh, Japanese cuisine. Right. Ja Japanese culture, but Japanese cuisine, it's been always a big part of my cooking and I've always been, you know, since we opened, I've always been weeks traveling back and forward uh, uh, to Japan. No, what, no wonder they say that you're the, that that up and coming competition to Tetsuya. Oh, no, huh? no, no, that, that's Tetsuya, what I've been no. reading. <laughs> I wish, I wish Tetsuya is. Uh, listen, you're only thirty nine. You're only thirty nine. Just it wait. It will take me maybe another another ten years, fifteen years to get uh, to that level. I, I hope yeah. I will get as good as Tetsuya. Is is. He's one of the person that I that I, that I look at. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Have you ever considered quitting? Was it hard to the point where you went, hold on, maybe? I, I did was when I was um, a chef de party. Okay, so when I was an, a cook, I say, when I was around 25, 26 years old, I say, this, this is too hard. It's right. too tough. It's, uh, you know, uh, I used to wake up in the middle of the night, uh, not sleeping properly. Uh, I wasn't feeling healthy, you know. I say, this is, this is, this is not gonna be my life. I can't do this anymore. The hours was were extreme. It was crazy. But then slowly, slowly, you know, uh, I got myself together, and, and my wife was always a, a big support. And she said, "Believe in yourself. You will do it. You you just gotta stay strong." Mm -hmm. And uh, since I opened the restaurant, I never looked back. This is what I want to do. There have been a lot of hard times, and it's always tough. And I always sometimes wake up in the morning and say. This is too hard. Uh, <laughs> this is too hard. Why am I doing this? You know, it's yep. because the, the the economical return is is not is not great in fine dining. You know, but this is my passion. You know, and and it's it's just those few minutes that I say, oh, this is tough. And then I get here, I get into the restaurant, and I say, no, this is this yep. is my passion. This yeah. is what I love to do. When the, the when the restaurant starts to fill up, the customer comes in. You know. And the service start, and I said, I come alive again. I said, okay, this is what I want to do. This is my life. That's nice. Now you got two hat very quickly, mm. yeah. right? The, the first year, yeah. Yeah, so mm. that that is quick yeah. by a big standards, right? Yeah. So, was there any special feeling? Because in Australia we don't have Michelin here, mm. right? So the the Sydney the SMH food guide is yeah. is the one to go by. Correct. Uh, did it change your life? Huge, 
change to the business absolutely yes. when we go when we got the first year well probably the first big uh, difference when we opened the restaurant was when we received the reviews from all the magazine yes. and the Sydney Morning Herald uh, that was a big impact to the restaurant but of course the two heads when we come when we got the two heads uh, uh, on the guide there was a big big impact on business everyone wanted to be your friends now <laughs> oh. <laughs> No, the restaurant just became very busy. Yeah, it became very busy, very successful, and uh, it was uh, it was incredible for the business. Have you, you know? changed anything because of that? Did you change the cuisine? I mean, I, I've been in here. I've been counting your people. You've got ten people. We right? yes, the but kitchen, that's ten people, team. six hours away yeah. from opening. So yeah. I don't know how many will yeah, be here lot, when it's open. Prep, yeah, a lot of prep to do. The, 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 the kitchen grew bigger. Yeah, I think the the food became a lot more refined. We started to serve a, a lot of small different small courses. Uh, we have a lot of different small suppliers, uh, small producers uh, that we use. The food became a bit more. Uh, complicated you know it's a lot of there's a lot of different layers in the dishes uh, but the concept and the philosophy is, is still the same yeah. yeah so we still you know how can i say research for the best produce yeah. available in australia we do apl- still applies those technique to make sure that the produce we i like the produce yes not not covering up with the uh, heavy sources or heavy stuff that uh, you know, will will sacrifice the produce. It sounds to me like life became more complicated after you got the two hatted. It's like you want to you want to keep it. It's not that it became complicated, but it's uh, <laughs> uh, um, to confirm and to yes. keep up the standards yes. and consistency is the is is the, the the most difficult part. So. So what is harder, getting the two hats or keeping it? I think probably, <laughs> I would say both, but to, to keep the standard high and the consistency and the motivation on chefs every single day, you know, because we had two hats for five years. Yes. And I think the hardest part is to motivate people and to keep the standard high every single day. Every single day job of of uh, making sure that the, the, the produce and the mise en place and the preparation is a high standard, that's the hardest. So you're talking that's about the, multi- the people, you're talking about your team here in the, the kitchen. The team yep. and the produce, you know, to make sure that the yep. produce that come through the, the door is every day at the highest standard, it's very difficult because you gotta constantly, constantly discuss with all your purveyors, with all suppliers and make sure that the produce right. is a very high standard. So, so what do you do these days to motivate your team? <laughs> Slap them in the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. Um, do you have a team day? Do you like like? I know you just came back from Margaret River. Yeah. Do you have an, an event then with them and share yeah, with them your absolutely. experience? Yeah, absolutely. We we look. We um, we sit down all together. Yes. We go through menu changes. We go through uh, produce uh, availability. We go through uh, every single changes on the menu. We do the tasting together, we do briefing together, we read all our customer review together. We go through the, um, all the articles, all the food articles, all the reviewers from uh, food bloggers, from uh, uh, journalists, everything. We, we, do, we try to get them involved as much as possible in the daily uh, you routine. You want them to be part of what you're I doing, right? I want them right? to be part yes. of as much as possible yes. in the daily process of running a restaurant. Do you have a sous chef? 
yes. someone to replace you when you're not around? Yep, I do okay. have a how chef. Did you find him? How did you find him? I was very lucky. <laughs> very lucky. People who uh, work hard always say yeah, that, you know that. Um, we basically had a, a friend in common and this guy was uh, based in Singapore and he was planning to move to Australia and he put me in contact and he's been my sous chef since day one. Since actually before we opened the restaurant, he helped me, you know, putting the tables together, the chairs together, do all the trials for the menu. Right. He's Hiroshi, he's a Japanese, a Japanese guy. He's been with us almost for uh, five years and a half now. Wow. He trained in Italy, in Spain and France. So he's got that Western uh, cuisine training as a background, but he's Japanese. Right. And uh, we have at the moment, we have three Japanese in the kitchen. Our kitchen is very multi-ethnic. We have a couple of Italians, a few Japanese, a couple of Taiwanese. Uh, I noticed they, 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 they all work Scottish, hard. They all work hard. No all, music. Uh, well, there's no music because of this, because of the podcast, oh, but there will be music later on to keep them happy oh, and motivated, right. yeah. And so, in the kitchen now, what is your role? Like, like one night, if I come over here and you're around, and, and uh, you were around one, one of those dinners, what is your role? I usually look in, in the kitchen during service, I usually run the pass. Uh, so I basically call the docket uh, uh, and, and run the whole operation. Do you ever say, I don't like the, the look of this, get, oh, yeah, get it back? Of course, yeah, okay. absolutely. So you're really uh, the final judge of the, every of plate the, before it goes? Not all of them, because I can't. We, we serve uh, an average of 600 dishes every, every night here. 600 dishes? Yeah. Right. So I can't check every single one of them. There are other people, like my sous chef, that is in charge of, yeah. uh, uh, of the last check before we're sending out. I'm, I'm usually in charge of uh, uh, plating up and sending pasta and main courses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas my sous chef uh, is in charge of, of the larder section and the pastry. So he keeps an eye of all the guy, the guy that plates up that food and sends it. Yeah. And I usually, you know, um, I'm behind the pass running the service and then th towards the end of the service I might go out on the floor and, and say hello to a couple of customers, to the regulars or other people that want to have a chat. Yeah. But I'm always here. I'm, I'm, I, I, I usually open the door with the guys and I close the doors with the guys. Wow. Listen, um, after almost 20 years of cooking, how do you keep yourself that passionate and always uh, I, I, on I the think, go? Uh, if you have a passion for something, it, it will never die. No right. matter no matter how old you are, it will just evolve. A passion will evolve into yeah. something different, to a different style, to a different. But it will never die. So in your spare time, I guess it's only cooking, it's cooking. books and cooking. Cooking and, 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 and traveling is for cooking and food. I've just <laughs> built a, a wood fire oven at my place, so I'm 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 a lot into pizza, pizza now. now. Yes. <laughs> And, and baking, pizza and baking in the wood fire. Yes, Because yes. it's so versatile that you can do so many oh, yeah, things, man. Yeah. And, and, slow, and I just love it. cook for 12 hours, Absolutely. for example. That, Absolutely. It's amazing stuff. So my Monday and Tuesday now is, is usually next to the wood fire oven. Right, right, mm. right. How about your recruiting? I, I met Alessandro here when yeah. I first came in. Is he in charge of the recruiting or you in charge of the recruiting? Uh, we usually, we do it together. Okay. If he thinks there is someone valuable for the business, we, we discuss together or sometimes I let him deal with it and then I, ha I give him the final approval. Right. If he's in the kitchen, same thing. I'll discuss with my sous chef and the other senior guys. I say, well, how, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? You know, we, we'll always discuss together. 
Okay. Always. Uh, this is, is, is not, uh, it's not a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And it will never be a one-man show. No. Never. Now, y- you work with your wife. Yes. She is your sommelier. Correct. Right? I, She's the boss. She <laughs> no, only the sommelier. <laughs> so, But not in the kitchen. <laughs> not in the <laughs> There's a limit. No. So... How, do, how did you learn to work together? And I'm still learning. I'm, just <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> oh, no, that's very good. So how do you juggle family and work? You have young children as yeah, well. Yeah, we have two, two daughters, yes. uh, identical twins. Just like us. Really? Yes, yes. We, we, really? Ours, is, uh, ours are 11 years old, turning 12. Really? Girls? Yeah. Identical. Yeah. Oh, and how old, how old are yours? Six. Oh, they're so beautiful. <laughs> they're so beautiful. So we opened the restaurant yes. when me and Luna, my two daughters, were six months old. That, you're crazy. Nightmare. You're crazy. It was a nightmare. My wife and I were about to divor- get divorced. <laughs> Trust me, we were about to go crazy. We were going crazy. Was she working in here as yeah, well at that time? Yeah, working here. Oh my God. So we had our parents coming over and helping us yes. with the girls. And we were both at the restaurant, both of us. So we were going back at nighttime uh, together. Then the girls used to wake up at nighttime because they had a lot of sleeping issue for the first couple of years, two, two and a half years. They were waking up each other. We had to took, take them to a clinic because they had a lot of sleeping problems. Oh well, my, my wife here, staying awake for five years before she had the five full night. Five years. Yeah. For us, it was uh, two and a half, three years then. And then suddenly it all switched and it went, you know, oh, fuck, they're sleeping at night time. Incredible. But so it, was, it was tough. Mm. I mean, six now, you've passed the, uh, the toughest time. No, no, it, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's easier. It, it's different. It, it, but it's a lot easier compared to the first couple of years. They're identical as well? Identical. So I'm yeah. sure that just like me, like there's every day where you, you're, you're calling them the wrong name. Yes. <laughs> I call them both. I call them both. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So what's, what's a day like now for, for you? Because earlier I saw you. Were you training, doing yes. the gym beforehand? Right, okay. So, so I usually wake up around 8, 8.30, take yep. the girls to school, drive here. And, I'm, and I have to keep myself fit because I had a lot of problems uh, physically. Uh, I had an ACL, knee reconstruction, uh, this protrusion on my back uh, and, 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 and now I have a problem with my hip there's a hip impeachment wow. uh, and so I have to keep myself fit otherwise I, I, I can't stand for those so many hours in the kitchen Yes. Uh, so I have a personal trainer once a week or twice a week and we do a little bit of exercise outside the restaurant Yes. when I can and go and do an hour of uh, yoga during the week usually on my day off Yes. I have to keep myself you know okay It helps me mentally as well yep. and physically. So that's eight, so to what, 10? To 10. Yep. Then uh, if there is no any other things going on, I jump straight into the kitchen. Usually on the beginning of the week, I have a briefing with the, with the chefs. We sit down, we go through the whole booking of the week. We go through any menu changes. We go through any trials, if there needs to do any trial. We go through any new produce coming in, blah, blah, blah. And then jump into the kitchen, help them here and there if there is any uh, section that needs any help. Yes. 
uh, then go through another briefing with the front of house when they arrive, staff meal around 4.30, then we do a briefing before service, service starts at 6 o'clock, we have service until uh, 10.30, 11, sit down with my sous chef again, go through all the ordering, go through the whole checklist in the kitchen for cleaning and uh, cool room, uh, organizing for the day after, and go home. 12 o'clock, midnight, 12 30, 1 o'clock sometimes, we go home. Wow. And then we start all over again at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30. So that's hard when you have uh, two young children as well, isn't it? Mm. That's why, that's I why think you know, when the restaurant is closed on Monday and Tuesday, yeah. I try to t- not to take any work at home and spend as much time as possible with the girls, as much as I can. And, you know, if the restaurant is not busy in the morning, on a Saturday and Sunday, maybe take them out for breakfast uh, and then come here just before lunch yeah. or come here for dinner. Uh, so when is, the, uh, when is the third hat? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, what I'm trying to ask is, yeah. is that a go or it's it, going to happen, it's going to happen? It's going to happen, it's going to happen. Okay. I, 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 I always say to my staff that we never work for the three heads. Yeah, we work for our customer, for our client to make the, the customer happy. We work harder and we always try to improve what we do, but I don't want to put too much emphasis, too much focus on, on, on the head. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't matter. Because our main priority is the customers. Yeah, it's not the head, it's not the food reviewers. Okay. Of course, and then if, if, if it happens because the food reviewers think that we deserve it, then I'm more than happy to take it, you know. From listening to your story, every four or five years, you've got a, n- a new idea of doing something. I mean, I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm just digging for, mm-hmm. for a gem here, right? Is there a new restaurant coming up? Is there a new idea? Is there a new venture coming up in your head, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I've, I've been working on it for the yes. last few months. Yes. Uh, you don't have to tell us, but, you know. I'm, no, I'm, it's... it's, it's, it's we haven't signed anything, so I don't really want to talk about it because you know, if, if it's not going to happen, then no, uh, but just people will uh, people will get excited no, for nothing. Understand? You know, no, but uh, I, but I'm I'm right. But you the, know, the, the, a passionate like yeah. you, there's ideas all the time, right? There are uh, a couple of things that we have in mind. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and I will share it with you yes. as soon as uh, as soon as yes. we we're sure hundred percent that it's going to happen. Thank you. I don't know how to say this, Federico. I'm inspired. Uh-huh. Just it's Thank in less you. than one hour, and and I think that. Thank you. If people could only just get the gist of this, I think that you're probably going to make a difference in some people's life, even to inspire them into doing something. And um, I, I really love your passion. Thank you so much for your time well, today. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you and, so much, and, guys. and hopefully we, we'll be able to talk about your passion to other things <laughs> later on, you know? I hope so. Thank you I so much so. for today. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Woo! What can I say? That was definitely a passionate man. I love meeting these people because when these people are on fire, they actually can't help but set us all on fire. I'm walking into this restaurant, Lumi, right across opposite the Star Casino. And at first I see this man here, uh, all sweaty in t-shirts, and uh, he comes and say good day and goes and get changed. And then when he comes back, it's like he's a changed man. 
And what happened is that I actually disturbed him right after he had finished his training session for the morning. And he had to get changed. Sits down with me and straight away he's right in. He doesn't need 20 minutes to uh, become a passionate man. He immediately goes on to telling me his story. No thinking about it, no need to even rehearse or even try it out. Because he has understood that passion needs to be transparent. We don't need to hide anything. So you look at this man, he leaves his family at the age of 18. Everyone in his family expects him maybe to take over a part of their business and probably do something in the clothing business. No. He goes for something not only different, he goes away. In a country where his mother tongue, being Italian, he now has to speak English and he couldn't speak a word. And then his journey starts. To me, the most interesting began when he started talking about his six-month trip in Japan. I was just six months, but I wish people could really be there and look at him in the eye and see his passion and the fire that was going on. When he was speaking about Japan, I felt he was talking about maybe a lost part of himself, some soul that he had that he was trying to remember as he went to Japan. And he started to see a very different way of being. And do you know, sometimes I talk to people and, 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 and I can see, yeah, okay, they, they, they're being emotional here. You can see the teary eyes. They don't believe themselves. You can see the blinking eyes. Well, when I spoke to Federico about Japan, I thought he was Japanese for a while. And this is the uh, most amazing thing for me. When I do these podcasts, I want to explore people. I want to have a look at what is it that they have in them that makes them tick that way. And this person here, Federico, the minute Japan came out of him, he had gratitude all over him. He was thankful for every experience he had. He, had, he was thankful for every single bit of gift he received from them. And I have to remind people, this guy went to Japan and worked over there for six months for free. He was thankful for the gift. He wasn't asking. And I thought to myself while I was asking him these questions, how often do we in today's society do things and only to expect things in return? How often do you have someone going into your organization and saying, listen, I'll work for you for free. All I want is the experience, the journey. When I listen to him, speaking about his cuisine and what he's now want to do, which is that blend between the Japanese flair and the Italian. He didn't want to do just the Japanese cuisine. He wants to do the Japanese cuisine, but with a twist. Now I understand why the uh, uh, Gambera Rosso has claimed him for 2019 as the best Italian in the world, not just in Australia, in the world. And I do take that review very seriously. I mean, they've been around since 1986. They have, uh, I think, 23 editions where they've been quoting 
restaurants around the world for the last 33 years. And there's no coincidence, there's no accident that Federico and Michela have created a restaurant that went to hat from their first year. And this restaurant is only five years old. To me, it's just something phenomenal. So I'm sure when I sit back one day and really try to think of all of these passionate people, because as you know by now, what I'm starting is what I call a passion club. I want to start a passionate club or passion club, one of the two. A group of people who actually don't go through life maybe necessarily with the best weapon, best equipped for things. I mean, my, have a look at this guy. He came out of school not knowing what to do. All he wanted, Federico, was a job where you didn't have to study too much. And yet a fire got ignited within him. I, I know he, he hasn't given him himself too much of a credit. I mean, he's a very humble dude. I mean, you ever meet the guy, you talk to him, he's so humble. But I truly believe that a fire might get ignited, but you still have to keep it alive. You still have to feed it. And you don't just feed a fire because you're talking about it. It takes effort. It takes a lot of wood to keep it ignited for well over 20 odd years, 21 years. And so I have to say... When you get to meet Federico Zanellato, you will probably feel ignited by his passion. And another thing that I was um, quite inspired is to see how his kitchen, there were 10 people walking around and working around us, but there was some kind of harmony. And to me, I, when I look at a business and seeing how a person like him can create harmony around the business, whether it is food, whether it is about selling houses or IT or, or selling wines, I know that has a lot to do with the leader because the leader creates the environment where people can flourish and become the best they can be, not the environment. And so today I have to say to you that my greatest joy was having met Federico. He has shown me that whether it is through a kitchen across the Star Casino or through a small business somewhere else, that a passion is your responsibility and you can create whatever you want as long as you take upon you the job to keep that fire going. And for those of us who really want to experience Lumi Dining, look it up. It's Lumi, L-U-M-I, Dining, D-I-N-I-N-G dot com. Go on to their website. You have to go and try their food. It's just crazy. Thank you so much, Federico, for this again. I think that one of my biggest quests in life is to go out there searching for crazy people doing crazy things. And I have to say, you're definitely a crazy dude doing a lot of crazy stuff. Thank you so much again.